You have to switch the big, oh. uh, the big does it work switch to yes. Yeah, that's that's uh, one of the main problems. I am seeing. Uh, but uh, right, I love Seed. I feel the, so useful. I gotta start the Discord <laughs> call as well. Seed ratio point zero 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 one. Yeah, ask me about my redacted .ch uh, membership. <laughs> uh, bu- 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 share right. my screen. Oh fuck! It's oh, it's so loud. Are we good? I yes. believe we're good. I think we're good. I think All we're right. good. I think we're going. We are moving. We are having a nice time. Don't you, go, nice... don't you, you go fuck yourself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is the alliance of this podcast episode now. Is is me and Liam both miserable, raging uh, against everything that the Ross tries in, to in, do in, in, the, in the Discord uh, the Discord group. Uh, Roz has a little crown next to his name. And I, I gotta tell you, uh, no, no monarchs will survive the revolution, Roz. The French aristocracy <laughs> never saw it coming either. <laughs> Although we are technically incorporated as a co-op, I gotta talk to that yeah. guy. Yeah, you gotta talk to the accountant so we don't I go to talk jail. to Union Pete too. Mm. Yeah, Union Pete, if you're listening, check your fucking emails. <laughs> <laughs> Just expose the guy live. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? God damn it! All right. Anyway. So, uh, here we are, podcasting. Welcome to Well, There's Your Problem. It's a podcast. It's about engineering disasters. It has slides. If you're listening audio only, like through a podcast app, the slides are the YouTube link in the description. That's where they are. Okay. Uh, Here we are. Uh, I'm Justin Rosniak. I'm the person who's talking right now. My pronouns are he and him. Yes, me, Alice, she, her. Fuck you. Liam. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I feel like that Key and Peele skit. Yeah. The the East West Bowl. mm -hmm. Liam. Temple Mm -hmm. University. Rutgers University. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Fuck You. Well, that's your problem. (laughs) Yeah. Well, welcome to welcome to the podcast where everyone's tired and miserable. Yeah, um, I'm fine. Let's 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 talk about explosive what? decompression. Much I, I like was... what's about to happen to my butt after the spices <laughs> process. <laughs> oh god. Feeling grateful that I'm just extremely tired and that I don't have like butt related issues for once in my fucking life. Hey oh yeah, once I got forcibly converted to Islam by the halal truck guy, all your tummy problems became our tummy problems. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you sort of split them down the middle, you know. Yeah, um, I, I, my, asshole, my asshole is um, Solomon's baby. <laughs> uh, right. Also, my roommate is doing parent-teacher conferences from home, so I really hope no parents are on a phone call right now. Oh boy, I, I hope it's not the same room. No, no, I, <laughs> same, I assume, room, same Zoom call. I assume at this point, Megan would have come in and beaten me unconscious, so if you hear uh, a, a voice yelling at me. Uh, all right. So, well, that was our original plan was to record this and Trash Future simultaneously, and Alice just only says stuff, which is relevant to both podcasts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, how do you know we're not doing that? Ooh. You don't? Anyway. Uh, you, you don't. don't. Yeah. Yeah. You got to preserve yeah. the wall of history, Rose. So, what you see on the screen here is a diving bell. 
Uh, nothing bad has happened yet, actually, because I didn't want to put pictures of the aftermath of this Thank one because they were not good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, not you, good. you could have you, just you can, you can find them. Yeah, you don't even need to. Just look at pictures of like jam spread really thin. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it kind of it kind of looked like uh it kind of looked like a, a a Thanksgiving turkey after it's been uh mm. you know gone through a little bit honestly. And I saw the picture and I was like, I'm not putting that in the presentation. <laughs> Thank that, you. That's nasty. Um. So anyway, today we're going to talk about explosive decompression and the um the Bifur Dolphin accident. You asked for it. You yes. wanted it. You wanted. We didn't it. have any other ideas this week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But first, we have to do the goddamn news. Ah, oh, New Jersey. Never change. Yes. A man... What is happening? Oh, it's, an inst- it's Instagram. Oh, let's... I'm um, sorry. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> sorry, yeah, I, have to, I have to check on my many Instagram messages. Oh, uh, no, it was... I realized that I had been watching stories this whole time by accident. And it was just someone lyric quoting Taylor Swift. The new album's out. It's good. Go listen to it. Cool. Go fuck yourselves. This, this is yeah. this is easily the most chaotic is, episode yeah, of this, this we've is, done. This yeah. is. I love that this guy lives in Hamilton, and I take back yeah. my criticism of of Hamilton. I know you're still gonna go down to your cousin Vinny's for Sunday gravy and talk about how how it's ridiculous that it costs five dollars to get to your job in South Philly, but at least this guy is uh, one of us. I'd like to say. It's uh, a a man in New Jersey has created a very large sound device to make large booms in order to drive both clouds and birds away from his vineyard. American man invents device to yell at God. What he's doing (laughs) Maoism better than I think any of us. Mm. Honestly, he's driving those sparrows away. He's he's just annihilated sparrows within a five mile <laughs> radius of this device. Imagine you put up a scarecrow, and then this guy shows <laughs> this up. Guy, this guy sonic booms your scare your scarecrow into Atlanta <laughs> County. Yeah, it just looks like the footage of nuke tests, where it's just getting <laughs> just getting blown over. <laughs> what is this made out of? Scrap. It's made out of scrap. Ah, it's had, it's it's it's. Uh, yeah. I think according to the article, it's just shit he had laying around. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, straw and, man and- destroyed by New Jersey man. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite detail of this is that they asked him why 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 do this thing, and his answer was, "I got bored of this COVID shit," and that is verbatim. Yeah, yeah so I decided to make the loudest thing I could. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And he's like, he's like out in the pineys. Like, I'm surprised anyone heard it, just because of how just empty it is. People live but, in Hamilton. Right. Not good people, so, but people live of. in Hamilton. Dude, it's the it's the blueberry <laughs> capital. It's the it's the blueberry capital of the world, Roz. Oh, I didn't. But know like that. the the original headline on this was mystery of uh, like deafening booms solved. So <laughs> someone's been hearing it. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, it must be like mostly the birds <laughs> and his three neighbors who are just constantly now exposed to psychological. They're getting Wacoed by the end of this week. They're all going to be Branch Davidians at a protest. Oh yeah. God! 
Yeah, this guy, he's been using it not only to kill birds, but to split clouds apart, in his words. He's just been doing New Jersey, that. New Jersey man argues with weather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Old man yells at cloud, but louder. Yeah, and so, if you do that loud enough, it turns out that's, you know, successful. It's a winning proposition. Who is yelling? Why are, people like always, why are people always yelling in my fucking house, dude? I live, I live with two other people, and it's like living in a frat house. <laughs> what you need um, is one of these. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and then I'd be like, why are you putting that on the roof? Why are you put, I want to use the back garden. Why is this 30-foot thing? Why have you broken all the neighbor's glass? <laughs> uh. <laughs> Speaking of big booms. In other news, oh boy, uh, yeah, yeah, so that's a created West Virginia plant. Big, yeah, the oh, plant wasn't created, there before. Cre cre hold oh, on, uh -huh. created, created. No, 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 no. Uh, A guy from New why? Jersey wheeled his giant thing of scrap in, uh, created a massive explosion, which then generated a chemical plant around it. Uh, that's actually pretty impressive. This is basically how Roz plays City Skylines. <laughs> that's how that that that's it's like the Windows uh, pipes screensaver. Uh, yeah, <laughs> except like boom, all at once, you know. Um, no, no, so six day. <laughs> a chemical plant in Bell, West Virginia, blew up. It was owned by a company called Optima Bell Chemical. I tried to figure out what they made there, and the answer is specialty chemicals. Oh boy! So whatever turned the Joker crazy. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Whatever uh, turned one, the Joker crazy, some kind of like war crimes gas, all that fun stuff. I understand this is in a section of West Virginia called the Chemical Valley. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah Upwind no. from Cancer Alley. Well, it's it's very it's very interesting that uh, we talk about West Virginia being deindustrialized when there's so much goddamn industry there. Um, <laughs> you thought you thought you could only die of black lung in West Virginia? Hell no! <laughs> you can, yeah, you, look, you can get murdered in a wide variety of industrial accidents. <laughs> <laughs> a magical place. Yes. Uh, the explosion apparently involved dry chlorine and methanol. Oh boy, oh, that's tight. Also, Bell is like right next to Charleston. I think it's fifteen or so miles. That mm. sounds about right. It's on a, it's on a, the, the, what's the one, the, the Kanawha River? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. Okay. Almost World War I gassed a, a large city in West Virginia. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Almost, anyone, did not any, quite. Did, yeah, did anyone die? Two, one uh, man one was person. killed, yeah. uh, three injured. That sucks. Um, there's no, like, formal report on it, so all you people in the DMs saying, do an episode on this. I'm not going to do it until a report comes out because I don't know shit about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, you you're going to have to watch us go through Ochem again. Yeah. Uh, well, the good news, yeah, that's the Kanawha River. Um, the good news, I suppose, is we can we can use this as course material for when I finally get that degree mill off the ground. Yeah. Well, yes. that's your problem. With you is gonna. This is going to be a foundation module. You know, our our 101 course is just a college episode. Killed in a tragic degree mill accident. <laughs> crushed, crushed in the diploma printer. Yeah. No, no, no. One of the things is like the the fucking degrees backed up off the rollers, and it just fucking shoots out at you. 
Oh, the degrees God, are yeah. made of asbestos, folks. Mm. <laughs> and lead Legally, paint. Don't let your God, kids lick it. The degrees come off the princess prints in a continuous roll, right? But then it gets <laughs> blocked up at the chopper machine and starts yep. flying all around. You get a real now you get paper cut in half by a, by a bunch <laughs> of lies. Justin and I have seen the same steel mill video accident. Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, they're also red hot for some reason. Mm. Well, how, how else are you going to print them? <laughs> Literally hot off the presses. That's right. Yes. Anyway, that was the goddamn news. Uh, shit. Yes. Nailed it. All right. All right now, <laughs> welcome to my speed run of Bioshock. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was going to say, is everybody ready for diving? Is everybody ready for diving? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we have to talk about. Oh, we what, should post the 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 link and the and the and the thing. That's what that's our caption. That when we when we post that we just recorded an episode, it'll just be "Is everybody ready for diving?" Ah, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is a smart one. Uh, so I guess you got to start and ask, what is diving? It's when you go underwater, which is for Cursing assholes. God, Fools but, do it. Cursing yeah, God, it's but a, instead of a, flying, uh, you you de-evolve and go back into yeah. the seas. If, if you've ever dived, say. if you've ever been submerged in water, you're the bastard of Earth. You, except you're on water. Yeah, if you were like, in, if you were like uh, underwater in a pool, like kill yourself 30 seconds yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a mistake you're 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 that's an affront to god and man yes <laughs> yeah 4.5 billion years of evolution and you decided to just undo it no, by going just go back in yo why don't you stay there <laughs> yeah <laughs> so all right uh yeah diving's when you go underwater there's lots of types of diving. There's, you know, like scuba diving. Everyone knows you got the tank on your back, right? Uh, there's stuff like tethered diving, right? Which is when you got like a hose that goes to the surface that supplies you with air and crap, right? That's more common for like commercial diving. Uh, there's stuff like free diving. Like if you're, I don't know, one of those lunatics. Who, mm. Yeah, lunatics, right? Um and but like diving for extended periods has been around for a surprisingly long time, facilitated by something called a diving bell, right? That's this guy here, right? And so diving bells have been around for a long time. They were first described by Aristotle in the fourth century BC, right? BCE, um, Roz, show some respect. It's Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, BCE. Thank you. Um. Is there like what? What is what? What is the year in the Jewish calendar then? Oh, dude, it's like fifty nine hundred. We yeah. never run out. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like God forty seven something in the Islamic calendar because we had to have one oh, too. What? What? No, oh. you guys just got here, right? <laughs> but like, no, we're like, well, we need a lunar calendar. Oh, we can't use this one. That's already like it's, people have already done the math on it. We have to come up with our own. It's it's uh, fifty seven eighty one. Uh, okay. So you got only 219 years left until the Messiah comes, supposedly. <laughs> that's, that's the deadline. So I think we're probably going to smash right through that. Uh, no. Somebody did the math be, uh... to figure out when the Islamic calendar and the uh, the Gregorian ones sync up. So if we're all still alive in 20,784, uh, that's going to be cool. 
It'll probably be shortly after they uh, finally put down COVID. <laughs> so, yeah, they finally polished yeah. Cyberpunk 2077 to an acceptable standard. COVID is is cured, and uh, the calendars sync up. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, anyway, back then, uh, Aristotle described diving bells being used for underwater, you know, diving, right? Uh, these sorts of things were mainly used for stuff like salvaging sunken ships, underwater construction, you know, if you're building a bridge foundation or something, and you would have military uses for them. Like you could, you could, you know, pop out from under the diving bell and then sabotage a ship and then go back under the diving bell. The way these things work is this is what's called a wet bell, right? You remember that me? scene? Yeah. You remember yeah. that scene from Pirates of the Caribbean? With the canoe, yeah, yeah that's, that's how basically it works. how this works. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the way it works is the diving bell has a pocket of air in the top, right? And then inside the diving bell is what is called. Let me switch to blue because I'm describing water. Inside the diving bell is a free surface, right? Yes, that's the free surface um, uh, symbol, right? Um, so, and this free surface means the, the diving bell can, you know, it, it means you have a pocket of air there, but as you descend underwater, this free surface will move up, right? And that means you still, that's because the air pressure equalizes with the water pressure, right? Yes. So you still get the effects of, you know, differential pressure, even when you're in this air pocket. Now, I just want to say before we keep going, I am, you know, I, I, I'm not a diving expert. Most of what I know about hydrodynamics and oh, stuff We're going to get like the airplane is, guys again, mm -hmm, in which case I don't care. We've already we threw this and respected <laughs> the entire threw, activity of we diving. We threw this together in like yeah. two hours. Fuck off, dude. Yeah. It's if, Friday. If, if, if you dive, tired, if you, di if you have ever dived, you are a fish now. to me. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you uh, are a fish, yeah. and and I don't respect you. And I, I mean, I it's one of those hobbies that I really don't respect. It's right up there with mountaineering in terms of like the idiotic bullshit people do. Where like, and I get, you know, taking risks, and like that's the only way you can feel alive. That and choking yourself while you jerk it. But like, again, it's just not a thing. I it like if God wanted you to fucking go underwater, he would have given you gills, and you would be a fish. Yeah, but unlike mountaineers, there's people doing legitimate work diving. Hey, man, I, those Instagram stories aren't going to write themselves with my <laughs> my tastefully austere gray on white uh, portrait of myself. Um, one of the other problems with researching this episode was almost all the uh, information was in Norwegian. A language which you speak. I don't speak moose. I do not speak moose. Do you? Do you not? I thought you spoke Norwegian. No, I don't. Oh, see, I, I know, have this headcanon where you do speak Norwegian, and that's why I got confused. No, I know a little bit of Russian, and that's it. Oh, that makes you feel Basically better. Basically the same. I, I know yeah. some French, and no. I can limp it in Spanish. Russian is bear speak. Norwegian <sighs> is moose speak. What's French? It's pheasants. Uh, skunk speak. Je m'appelle Pepe Le Pew. Je voudrais au Café Noir. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. 
So let's talk about something called saturation diving. And in order to talk about this, we have to talk about bridges. Oh, and wow, fuck. No, most of the text on this diagram is not visible here. Would, no. would not need to dive to make bridges yeah. if you made the bridges more rigid. That's true. So we're going to explain why Also, rigid bridges rhyme, so... Yeah. Build, build right. some rigid bridges. You just get like a long enough, so, totally rigid beam, you just like tilt it and lay it across the, the fucking yeah. water. Yeah. Genius. Genius. And I, I, go ahead. So, I, 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 I mean, alright, so, sort of. But you still need a pillar, <laughs> and a pillar is made of stone. No, you And, and no, the bridge pier is made fine. of stone. That's the most rigid thing you can make. Okay, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> Why not more I-beams? Why not just make uh, the whole thing out of stone? Why or I-beams. Why not just dump <laughs> a bunch of stone in there to create a kind of, like, berm that the, you uh, then walk you across really the top really like berms, huh? Yeah, I was I like about to say. Berm, I, yeah. Well, feel the berm. <laughs> Burmy bros. I do not think that would be good for crossing the Mississippi River. You can just build it high enough, dumbass. Yeah. Which is just, speaks to a fundamental lack just, of ambition. Just, Bur just burn damn, the Mississippi. Yeah, just just damn everything from the Ozarks to the Rockies. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you don't need to damn it, you don't need to cross it. Welcome to Infrastructure Week, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so now, diving for a long period of time so that your internal tissues come into an equilibrium with the pressure of the surrounding environment is called saturation diving, right? Um, and saturation diving has existed for a long period of time, but people didn't know what it was for a long time, right? Oh, it was one of those there, things that was discovered by accident. I Sort of. It was, it was more like the science sort of appeared to say, oh, this is what we're doing, and it's bad for us. Um, <laughs> Looks so, up from know. eating giant hunk of asbestos. Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of times, you know, folks would stay in a diving bell for a long time while they were salvaging, you know, sunken vessels that were really deep underwater, and they would come back up to the surface, and they would suddenly develop weird symptoms, like uh, cold symptoms, fever symptoms. Sometimes they just keel over and die, right? And this has been happening for centuries. Um, but then towards the middle of the 19th century, we started having to put up big bridges across rivers, especially in the United States, right? And this required something called a caisson. We had the ability to pump compressed air into a rigid structure that you could then sink into a riverbed so you could excavate foundations, right? This is called a pneumatic caisson. So basically you have a large uh, stone or concrete or wooden structure, right? You sink it into the riverbed, you pump compressed air in, you have pumps pumping water out. And this, you know, the pressure inside there is equivalent to the pressure of the water at the bottom, right? And then workers go in there and they manually dig all the river muck out. Right. So one of the things was, as we started using these, folks would come out of the caissons and they'd start getting sick, right? Um, and this was sort of like, uh, uh, what's the word? A, um, 
you know, sort of a, a, a not empirically studied until the construction of the Eames Bridge in St. Louis, right? Um, a physician named Alphonse Jaminet. Uh, okay. A hell of a name. Yeah. Uh, uh, they don't started, name him like that anymore. Yeah, they started um, documenting these cases of caisson disease, right? Um, where, you know, workers would go in the caisson, they'd work for 12 hours or whatever hell the, uh, the shift was back then. 16, yeah. 16, whatever. And then they would leave the caisson and it wasn't like, there wasn't even like an airlock. It's just like you sort of, you went out and there was a rapid pressure change and then folks started having problems. Sure. <laughs> but then like... The the idea that this was a disease in itself was new because before this, if you just keeled over and died after getting out of the thing, you attributed that to living in the nineteenth century or earlier when people just did that shit all the time. It's like yeah, he's probably yeah. like had too much radium or something. Yeah, exactly. Right. I we didn't have radium yet. Um, it was probably <laughs> lead or um, probably asbestos. done too much cocaine and then just yeah. like been gnawing on a big block of lead. Yes. <laughs> After a long day of of being in the uh, of being in the uh, uh, asbestos mines, I I like to cool off with a nice cool brick of lead to gnaw. Just a, just a, <laughs> a, a a waiter grinding antimony over my food, like with a pepper grinder. Yes. Use lead instead of sugar. It's also sweet, you know. So. <laughs> well, they did do that with wine, didn't they? It was uh, lead sweetened oh, yes. wine. You know, by uh, this bridge was put up in 1871. Um, there are about 300 workers, I think maybe 390 something workers in the caissons, and 12 workers were killed by caisson disease over the construction of the bridge. Um, now, after Alphonse Jaminet um, sort of described this, by 1872, there was sort of a theory that caisson disease was caused. By Italians. <laughs> no, we figured out the science real quick. <laughs> wow. See, this is this is unusual because for the 19th century, you expect there to be a, a crackpot theory along that's like, you know, the, the the Irishman has a higher proportion of whiskey in his blood that makes him more vulnerable to this. Ah, I wonder if that would. I I don't know what the science behind that one is. Hmm. Um, I don't know. If, if you know about the, the decompression sickness while drunk, get in touch with us. By 1872, the method of action had been discovered, right? Or theor at least theorized, which was that, um, you know, as you move from a place of high pressure to a place of low pressure, uh, gas dissolved in your blood starts to come out of solution and form bubbles really quickly, and that impairs circulation and does a whole bunch of other crap it generally just affects every single part of your body in just random ways right yeah just getting your blood yeah, so destroyed scene from a license to kill yeah oh yeah yes. yeah the bit where bond just blows up a dude's head great movie so and and the way to avoid this was with slow decompression right and the result of this was an immediate uh, and total adoption by the construction industry of periods of slow decompression for caisson workers, right? <laughs> Fuck that, we've got a bridge to build. <laughs> I was about to say, they're not going to pay workers to not work. 
Um, <laughs> it's 1871. You need more laborers. You just get them off the next boat. Exactly. I've right? seen gangs of New York. This is this shit is easy. So no actions were taken to mitigate the threat of caisson sickness for workers at all. Right? Mm-hmm. Caisson sickness was That's extremely crazy. prevalent. They wouldn't do that. Yeah. I'm, I'm stunned and shocked. That, that that this is such a rampant theme in every single episode we've ever recorded. Especially in the 1800s, yeah. So, caisson sickness was especially prevalent in the construction of the 1873 Brooklyn Bridge, right? Which is where it got its modern name, the Benz, right? Hmm. And that actually permanently crippled the chief engineer of the bridge, Washington Roebling. Oh, shit. Yeah. So uh, the thing is, slow, as I said, slow decompression would require paying workers to decompress. So no safety protocols or decompression protocols are implemented. Um, the 1890 Hudson River. Who's typing? That's me. Sorry. Is that driving you wild? Yes, because I'm going to have to edit it out later. <laughs> Sorry. Getting a progressively louder mechanical keyboard each episode. I'm sorry. I was trying to be as quiet as possible, too, which is the worst part of that. You should get a podcasting keyboard that you use while we're podcasting. No, I like the clicky clacks. I don't. I have to edit it out. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know what? I actually have a backup keyboard. I'm sorry. I was subscribing to it. Never mind. It was a used that site. <laughs> I'm 200 years old. Listen, listen, I'm sorry about the clicky clacks. I know uh, that's right up there with my old chair squeaking. Yeah, I got to subscribe yeah. to alt.mechanical.keyboard. Alt, alt. Uh, what was it? Pave the earth? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> well, if you'd just done that, there wouldn't be any case on sickness. It, this yeah, is true. No, that's yeah. true. Yeah, see? See, I'm not the crazy one. Listen, I just, I, I do love the idea. I always love this idea of, uh, and again, I think just because COVID's on the forefront of my mind, this like, yeah, we know what we could do, but we're just not going to fucking do it. Yeah. I, I, like this has been like, I've been talking about this with Corinne ad nauseum and Megan all day. So I think that's why it's bugging me. But just like the thing we always say about just like, you should be pissed off at these people for just basically letting you die. Yeah, like, and like insulting you, your intelligence about it the whole insulting, time. I think that's it too. It's just like, you know, there's some fucking thing I just saw on Twitter where the fucking barstool guy is like, let businesses live and die by their own. It's like, no, dude, just pay him to stay closed. And like Mitch McConnell just being like, no, we're not, we're just not going to help. Like, not, and it's not like, oh, it, it's too technically complex or whatever. It's just like, no, we just don't fucking feel like it. And I think that's, that's the shit that just that just makes me so fucking angry, and and I apologize. My head is a. I'm not feeling on B. My head is kind of somewhere else right now. But just like this constant sort of like, you know, I know that the the narrative is that basically no one gives a shit about this illness, and I don't think that's really true. I think that like it's hard to give a shit when the overwhelming amount of messages you're seeing and hearing are that you don't matter. Like you don't matter. Your sick mom doesn't matter. You know, patients in a hospital or a hospice don't matter. Like the fact that like my roommate Megan still has to fucking go to work and teach these poor kids in Kensington is like is 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 unfathomable to me. 
And like the fact that, and I, you might have to actually edit this out, as we can talk about this later, but like the fact that the Catholic, the, the Catholic schools have just decided to stay open is, is unfathomable because they need that money. And like, no one's, no one's fucking coming to help. And I'm just so <laughs> when, fucking when tired. When I think of the Catholic <laughs> church, I think of an organization yeah. that's really strapped for cash. Yeah, no, it's listen. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you have to pay hundreds of millions of dollars in settlement because you just couldn't keep, could, you just couldn't stop raping kids. Yeah, I just, I'm just so fucking tired and exhausted, and I know I sound like I'm having a breakdown, and I'm not. I'm very under control at the moment, but just like every fucking day, realizing that like no one gives a shit about you is an extremely hard way to to live. Yeah, I mean that. Like yep. the thing that that's happening with me right now is um, the the public inquiry into Grenfell. Uh, listen to our episode about it. Is is going on? And like everything that you think about it is like worse and more brazen than we ever suspected. Uh, is that right? I, yeah, I we're gonna have to re- we're gonna have to revisit it. We're gonna have to do okay. a, do a, a, another yeah. episode. But Grant Grenfell reduxed. Yeah, yeah. You thought it was bad the first time. Just you wait. <laughs> just you wait That's, until you see the contractors' emails and WhatsApp messages I to just, each other. I, I feel like I feel like I'm gonna throw up if I read those. Yep. <laughs> I just like this is the shit that 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 on every episode, and I think just having now recorded what is this 48 of these. Uh, I just want to say if there's one thing you should take away from this podcast, there's one thing you should ever take away from this podcast, is that. The dumb hippie bullshit of love will win and shit like that, that, you know, is rightfully mocked. It's like you're allowed to be pissed off and you should be pissed off at people who don't care about you. You're allowed to be pissed off. You should be pissed off at people who left you to die. You're allowed to be pissed off and you should be pissed off at Mitch McConnell, at Joe Biden, at fucking anyone who thought that your life didn't matter and that it was more convenient to save a couple dollars basically than to fucking make sure that Megan could stay home or like. Miss Venus could stay home or whatever. And like the fact that like I every fucking day I wake up and I have a panic attack because my parents are old as shit and I'm just and I live two hours away from them and I constantly fucking worry that this is the day some fucking asshole in a giant just isn't going to wear their mask and my dad's going to get sick and that's going to be the end. And the thing is, like, I understand that the government doesn't give a shit about you, but that also doesn't excuse you from not giving a shit about other people. So, like, be a fucking adult, wear a mask, stop fucking going to places with other people all right don't even acknowledge that other people fucking exist stay in your house (laughs) (laughs) buy some snacks like i don't fucking know just get really good at call of duty i know there was a guy i'm 155 in warzone and i am ashamed of myself oh we should play black ops I've been playing Transport Tycoon for the past I, like, three I days. No, you have. I I get those messages, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on that group chat. I know, right? I got we got a, we got a good server going, uh, and um, I am making a lot of money in Transport Tycoon <laughs> <laughs> in Minecraft as a joke. Yeah. Well, I decided to set everything up with steam locomotives, so I got like a bunch of big, why? <laughs> because I like them. They're, oh, they're, yeah! Next bonus episode, though, coming soon, folks. Yeah, I gotta mm-hmm. write that soon. Um. Anyway, what were we talking about? We sorry were talking about, about sorry about that extended <laughs> rant. <laughs> we were talking about decompression sickness and how they didn't give a shit about the workers, even though there was at that point a theoretical way to prevent the uh, caisson sickness. And yeah, which is just white. That's the theoretical yeah, thing. Yeah. It's just you'd let them wait, wait for a bit, and that's like the 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 smallest kindness you can even do. We just can't fucking have that either. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing is they didn't have like an airlock or anything like that where they could control 
the pressure, right? Yeah. You sort of had like a pressurized zone and an unpressurized zone, and you just kept pumping air into the pressurized zone, and you had to, get, I guess, walk against the wind when you were entering. <laughs> oh, good. Our, our favorite thing. <laughs> yeah. Just taking a run-up to go into the caisson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, <laughs> just hitting a wall of air, fully like T pose. Yeah. So the the first um, so there was a, a sort of spat of a tunnel building in New York City in the 1890s to about 1905 for subways and the Hudson and Manhattan Railroad, right? And the Hudson and Manhattan Railroad in 1890 was the first company to use an airlock between the pressurized zone and the unpressurized zone. And this <clears throat> reduced incidence of the bends, right? <laughs> this was sort of secondary to the main thing, which is conserving compressed air. But, you know, it worked, right? But uh, after uh, around 1904, after the construction of, you know, half a dozen subway tunnels into lower Manhattan, right? Um, which killed around 30 workers in total from the bends. Jesus. Right? Yeah. Christ. And that's so a my, horrible way to go out, too. Hey, it's not very good, no. Uh, finally, some regulations were put in place to mandate slow decompression, right? Uh-oh, how merciful. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, of course, uh, business was very unhappy about because they had to pay people to sit around and not do anything. Oh, the horror. Oh, <laughs> the no. horror yeah. It's only meant to be executives. Yeah, well, I mean, ask, uh, ask Roebling about that. Um, uh, uh, well, you can't because he's dead. Um, we'll dig his corpse up. <laughs> <laughs> dig him up and shake his hand. Appreciate the man. <laughs> dig him up and Beautiful. shake hands with danger. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. Uh, a, 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 a piece titled The Prevention of Compressed Air Illness, published in 1908, provided a list of tables describing staged decompression, right? It's where if, you're, if you have been compressed... I'm sorry, that's just an extremely <laughs> funny, it's just a phrasing. It's just like, if, if a man has come along and compressed you... Yes. Here, here are different <laughs> pressures at which you should be decompressed at different amounts of time. But once we have this theory of preventing decompression sickness, there's now an ability to do something called a saturation dive. So there's some experiments which were done in 1938, the first intentional saturation dive, which was just some people sitting in a pressure vessel in a hospital in Milwaukee, right? God, God damn. Can you imagine just being that asshole? Yeah. Just diving in Milwaukee. Yeah. In Milwaukee. Yeah. <laughs> America's most romantic city. Hmm. I know, right? Uh, most socialist city as well. Just leaving um, a space there for Chicagoans to get mad at us. I, I like your pizza. I don't like your socialists, but I like your pizza. <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, this shows that saturation diving was practical, but there were still some problems with uh, alleviating something called nitrogen narcosis, right? Oh. And nitrogen narcosis is a sort of feeling of drunkenness, right? Owing to the presence of high-pressure nitrogen in the bloodstream, right? 
So you're telling mm-hmm. me I can get drunk for free and all I have to do is hang out in the fucking Marianas <laughs> Trench? Alright, um, <laughs> actually it's a lot less deft than that, it's a lot easier. Uh, uh, I can just hang out <laughs> in Milwaukee and get drunk for nothing? Yes. Well, a couple dollars, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, divers are introduced to something called Martini's Law, right? Speaking of getting drunk for a couple yeah, dollars. Right. Yeah. And Martini's Law states that, you know, your equivalent of nitrogen narcosis is every 10 meters below 20 meters of depth is the equivalent of drinking one martini. Is that fucking serious? <laughs> it, it's a rule it's a rule of thumb but yes <laughs> uh, i love science hmm. excuse me i fucking love science Le- epic bay control yeah, phase, right, Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love My to bad. i love to dive to 60 meters and then come back up and just have a nice time yeah i i love yeah, to yeah. just like i think the the modern day equivalent is if you were around for og4 loco and you slammed two of those and or if you ever played quad loco or four by four, if you prefer, uh, you know what this is gonna feel like. Yeah. So the, the, four loco, the gentleman's martini. Roz, who never who never played four by four. I just, never just had, very into I the never had James original... Bond ordering a four loco. <laughs> Shake it, not stood, and then just and just the foam hits him blind in one eye. Real that mark book. of mark of sophistication is James Bond playing the beer hunter with six four locos. Bluefield, it's it's time to die. Just like vomiting, <laughs> clearly eyes bloodshot. For some reason, though, he does not miss. Like. <laughs> So he's just stumbling around. No one can get out. No one can get a beat on him. <laughs> You'll never catch me alive. Just hurling like empty four loco cans from the back of a motorbike as he's blowing through like a fruit market. <laughs> so there's a lot of experimentation with different breathing gases, right? And they found out you can avoid this nitrogen narcosis with an oxygen helium breathing uh, setup, right? And so saturation diving became practical for like commercial purposes. The first saturation dive was accomplished in 1965 when divers uh, replaced a trash rack on a dam in Washington State at a depth of 200 feet. A trash rack? Yeah, it prevents trash from getting in the Being intakes and yeah. fouling the turbines. Uh, uh, I have a question that's going to possibly sound stupid. Uh, is there a reason they don't use, like, I guess the composition of Earth's atmosphere in these breathing gases? Or is that you need a higher concentration of oxygen? No, nah, it's because of the nitrogen narcosis. You get rid of the nitrogen, you replace oh, it with the helium. Oh, you get rid of yeah. the nitrogen altogether. No, 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 I understood. Yeah. Okay, okay, uh, okay. Yeah. All right, because I wasn't sure what with like yeah, normal like, ass air. Yeah, okay. Yeah, air, air is like seventy um, percent nitrogen. Well, right, exactly. That's why yeah, I was asking. And then, All right. um, I think your, I think your, your helium oxygen mixture. I, I don't, I didn't put this in the note. I don't know this offhand. I think it's like ninety-five percent helium, and oh, then five percent okay. oxygen. 
Damn. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. But because it's high pressure, you get more oxygen. I guess. I don't know. Do, do uh, you, you still get the voice thing happening is my question. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you come out. Oh, God. I have a very... Yeah. Yeah. Fight for Dolphin. These guys come out. Three of them have... Yes. Three of them have been turned into smuckers, and the fourth guy is trying to describe what's happened. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So, now then, uh, commercial saturation diving is something that not a lot of people do, and the people who do do it make a lot of money doing it, right? Yeah, you said doo-doo. Yeah, I did, <laughs> yes. So, a lot, of, a lot of diving is required with modern industrial society, and it's not just stuff like open ocean diving, right? You got to have people go down and inspect things like dam intakes and water supply tunnels, right? So, you know, there can be people saturation diving to inspect the New York City water tunnel in White Plains, New York, right? This isn't just like open ocean stuff. Because those tunnels are like 200, 300 feet underground. Again, uh, and fuck that. Send, know, right? By this point, get a robot, robot. to do it. Robot. Yep. They, I think they do have a robot that can do it now because I think they just sent one through Water Tunnel 1, which has never been closed since it's been built in like 1917. <laughs> They've <laughs> never done a single repair on it <laughs> <'Cause, Nice. 'cause, laughs> because they can't. <laughs> no, it's stuck like that. Get a robot. <laughs> Not our problem. Well, if you shut it down, you'd have to shut off water to all of New York City. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> there you go. There's my response. Yeah. Planned maintenance. Planned maintenance. A hundred years it, overdue. Yeah, exactly. All is, right, is that, is that thing holding the fucking diving bell down called a clump weight? Yes. <laughs> Designed so by Dave Courtney. A highly <laughs> illegal saturation yeah. dive. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> So if you have a long and involved dive, right, it may not be practical to decompress at the end of every shift, right? Okay. So you use something called a dry bell, which is this guy, and a diving chamber so that divers can remain at high pressures for a long period of time. Oh, you just live down there now. You, you belong to the sea. No, you only go down in the sea for a little bit, and then you come back up. But you're at sea pressure, right? Ah. So mm. your your dry bell, which is the both of these guys on the screen, this is it's a diving bell that has a hatch at the bottom, right? And it's pressurized to the level at which the dive will happen, right? So you go down to the bottom of the ocean while you're in the dry bell, and then you open the hatch, right? And then there's just a free water surface there, right? There's no airlock or anything. The pressure from inside the diving bell equalizes with the water, right? Um, and then you go out and you do whatever work you have to do, and then you go back in. They bring you back up to the surface, and then they attach the diving bell to something called a diving chamber, right? Which is a pressurized chamber that has sort of minimal living and working uh, uh, facilities, right? Uh, it, it's very Spartan, you know? There's a lot of times they don't have, they don't have, you know, 
uh, basic necessities that you would usually expect in. They, uh, they they lift you up on a crane and they bolt you into a shitty apartment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, sh- uh, emphasis on shitty. I think a lot of them don't have toilets. You have to like uh, go yeah, in a poop bag. in the ocean, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be the smart idea. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just go in the suit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, love, I love the NASCAR cardio. I don't want to go in the suit. Go in the suit. You're going to have to go in the suit, yeah. A shaking hands meme between saturation divers, medieval knights, and NASCAR drivers. Mm-hmm. Go in the and suit. Early <laughs> astronauts, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, and, and you might live in the diving uh, chamber for a long period of time, and then you decompress at the end. If it's very deep dive, that decompression might take eight or nine more hours. Um, you know, so it'll take a, it'll take a while. What, um, what, do you, what do you do if you need to make the thing go faster? Like, if a guy just, like, fucking has a heart attack in there, is that the situation that I find best summarized by a photo I found of a railroad emergency phone with a piece of paper taped over it saying, this phone is broken, please do not have an emergency here. <laughs> yeah, I think I, that's about I, right. I, I think you would have to send the doctors in. I don't think you could take the people out. Oh, fuck. That <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're trained. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, can we get an anesthesiologist in here? <laughs> Lower him down, boys. Yeah, all right. We got. Uh, we, you're all going to be stuck in here for about 16 hours, um, and we are going to start the decompression process now. <laughs> so, you know the, uh, the. This is why people who do this job get the big bucks. Understandable. Um, it's very dangerous. The working conditions are not good. Um, you know. But, uh, you know, people, people made a lot of money doing this, and they still make a lot of money doing this. Hmm. Um, I mean, l- like, I, I wouldn't say no to getting a lot of money to live in a shitty apartment for 16 hours with, like, four or five other people. Just give me a magazine uh, or something. I have to dive at the end of it or before it. Oh, so. yeah, that's uh, the problem. Yeah. I don't want to do that yeah, part. That's scary, but like, the, 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 yeah, I'll, I'll keep them company. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get eaten by like a a, a tube worm or something. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to do that. <laughs> so, I I don't know what those things eat. I don't know if they eat anything at all. Um, anyway, so this is the Bifurt Dolphin platform. Right, it was uh, owned by a company called Dolphin Drilling, which at the time was headquartered in Oslo, Norway. It's now headquartered in Aberdeen, Scotland. Um, and the platform itself, I think, is registered in Bermuda. Oh, cool! Oh, uh, yeah, I believe because it's technically a ship because it's a floating yep. platform. Yep. Um, and uh oh, someone's signaling to me on the porch. Hold on, I'll be right back. Someone has come to ask about a Pennsylvania Secret Service card. Hey, do you still have those available? (laughs) How do I contact God? To be fair, I'm I'm not mad anymore because I've been letting people down now, (laughs) and I'm just like the the messages are piling up in the inbox, and I'm like, I feel that I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get to him. I'm gonna get to him. If if I haven't gotten back to you, you gotta yell at me some more. It'll boost you to the top of the the message requests. (laughs) Oh boy! Well, Jeez, anyway, no. yeah. So I'm I'm still sticking with my plan, which is to to train to become a a diving bell, like a diver's roommate. 
Like I don't go on any of the dives, but I'm just in the couch. I'm just there to hang in the out. Dive. Yeah. And they're just like, why don't you get a job? And I was like, why don't you well, fuck this yourself? Is, this, this is my job. I'm keeping you company. <laughs> yeah, that's pals. true. <laughs> yeah. God, what do you even do for 16 hours to keep yourself occupied? Like, do you, are they you all jerking each phone. other off in there? You can't check your phone down no. there. This, I don't know. They don't have like a PlayStation or anything. Uh, this is this is my this is <laughs> my, my highly compressed <laughs> PlayStation. <laughs> However, the N sixty four we installed works just fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's shrunk down to the size of like a sugar cube, and it's just like <laughs> everything works. Uh, our, Audio is a little gr- yeah, our, a little rough. A business card sized Game Boy Color <laughs> that we all share. <laughs> Just five dudes all making 250 G's a year. I have to pass around this one Game Boy Color with two games, and it's Pokemon Red and Pokemon Blue. And they're arguing with each other about who can complete the Pokedex first. And there's lopsided trades and shit, and then you still got to sit next to that guy for 14 fucking hours. God. I'm trying to think how I would occupy like 14 hours with, with like nothing to occupy myself with. And yeah, I think I mean, I'm too I'm too millennial or too zoomer or whatever because I, I just I I don't know if they're lit. I mean, I suppose you could just bring a book. I took a a 14 hour flight. I've taken several of them, and you're just like by hour four or five. I think because you know the time is so long, mm. you can find ways to occupy yourself on a four or five hour journey. But like, and you'll be fine. But then you start ha- hitting hour six, hour seven. You're just like, all right, I guess I'll try to sleep. Yeah, like it just uh, that would suck. So I guess you're just bringing down a phone you don't care about and and using it for as long as it'll work. Yeah, I mean, I I guess at some point you've just got to start doing the uh like the real deep self meditation shit where oh, you're like I don't do playing that. poker in your head and shit. <laughs> I'm back. Hi. Did you die? What happened? Uh, no, I've been arrested. They're taking me away. Someone across the street had put their address down wrong and the package was coming here as opposed to there. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so uh, I just... Why didn't you steal it? Because um, it hasn't come yet. Oh, okay. Well, mm. I, just, I just left a note on, the, uh, on, on our mailbox. Uh, oh, gotcha. Hey, this package should go across the street. Um. <laughs> all right, where were we? <laughs> we were talking about whether or not they have a Game Boy in the diving bell. Uh, they they usually got like closed circuit television, or excuse me, they got they got a television. Usually, they got like at least some amount of entertainment in there. Huh. Oh, oh this that TV, that's question. fine. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, the diving bit still now, but uh, <laughs> I wonder if you can get Wi Fi in there. If we hmm. were talking about that. We assumed you couldn't. I don't know. You probably there's there's definitely like an umbilical um system that would be able to supply oh, internet. Yo, it's Cat Six E up in here. <laughs> we have yeah. the world's mm. tightest land party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Every time I get killed in Call of Duty, I imagine the rich inner life of the guy who like sniped me instantly, and the fact that he would just be like a Norwegian in a diving chamber <laughs> is extremely <laughs> funny to me. I, I do, just do love the, the fans act- work better at higher pressure. Uh, mm. No, the, the, except for those Delta fans that are only designed for server cabinets. Those things were great. <laughs> hmm. 
It's just that uh, that one picture of a land party with the guy duct taped to the ceiling, except that's every guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, Byford Dolphin was and is a floating platform for North Sea oil exploration. It was built in 1974, still operates, right? We already talked uh, about different types of oil rigs in the Piper Alpha episode. If you want to hear about that, go back to that episode. Um, once again, all bad things are the result of oil. Insert Drake's uh, well image. Yes. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not in this one. Yeah, I, I was like, can I, I could put it in, but I'm not going to because I had to go through a report written in Norwegian to get the good pictures. <laughs> so let's look at the diving chamber setup here. Okay. We're in 1983, right? Oh, they Saturation. do have TV. It's fine. Yeah, yeah they Bummer do have TV. Bummer, mellum, controllum, kammer, og klokke, oblog for trick, sitting, avalasting, og avalsing. Dicker klokken. Yeah. Yes. Yes, the dicker klokken. That's Norwegian for diving bell. <laughs> diving bell. bell. <laughs> Except I believe they call it a diving clock for some reason. Yeah, fucking horrible. A bell in German is Glocke, so yes, it is. Glocken. So Glockenspiel. There you go. Yeah. In in 1983, saturation diving was a relatively mature profession. Right, there was sort of this wild west period in the 1970s. Right, <laughs> just carrying by, a gun <laughs> down there. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, sea is not your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back in the diving bell, sea beds haunted. It's not Fox even an automatic, he's got a revolver. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't break. <laughs> yeah, so. You know, now, now, like a lot of the stuff by 1983 was relatively safe, almost routine, right? But there was still old equipment in use. Uh, Byford Dolphin's diving chamber system was built in 1975. It was labor intensive in operation and it lacked a lot of safety features and mechanical interlocks, right? Um, it's probably fine. Now, oh, we'll Byford, see. Byford Dolphin was drilling in the Frigg gas field, right? Uh, the diving contractor was a company called Comex. Um, so let's look at this system here, right? So down here we have the dicker clocking. Right? <laughs> that's, the, that's that's the that's the diving bell, right? Mm-hmm. You that's have what the kids your, are calling it these days. You have your camera one. That's the chamber one. You have your four camera. That's your four chamber. You have camera two. That's the living chamber, right? You have the Orban Delsus tunnel, right? And that's the connecting tunnel between the Dicker Cloakin and the Four Commer, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, sure. Right? Um, and if you look on Wikipedia, that is um, where the uh, uh, they just call it the trunk, right? Um, and then over here you have. The hyperbar evacuating set. Right? Oh boy. Okay. Oh Jesus. Yeah. This is the hyperbaric evacuation chamber, which they use in case they haven't decompressed, but 
the order to abandon ship comes on, right? Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. So if that so, happens, they're just fucked, right? Oh no. So here's a picture of the setup, and you can see it's mounted on top of a lifeboat. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just get jettisoned into the sea, still in my fucking hyperbaric chamber. I understand this has the ability to independently um decompress on its own and then there's a hatch so you can get into the lifeboat proper huh um but yeah so you know you haul you haul the diving bell in with this derrick here which i assume extends out this way you attach the diving bell right and then people can go in and out it's also tiny like if you look at the size relative to the lifeboat that's yeah no yep. room for you know Land three, parties. four, five guys <laughs> to be to be living. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not it's not such a it is not a luxurious lifestyle. Um. <laughs> so, all right, Saturday, November fifth, right? Somebody in the comments last time said, "You know, it's about to get really bad when you read a date." Yes. Yeah. So divers had been dropped in the water in the diving bell at 1.43 a.m., right? And they inspected a valve on the ocean floor. Right? It's always in the middle of the night, Hale. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why people work during these hours. Um, well, I guess it doesn't bad. make any difference to you how light it is on the surface, right? This well, is true. This is also for a bit. Yeah, and the dive was called off at 3.50 in the morning due to bad weather. And the bell was recalled, right? Which I, I was a little confused about if, if, if it's... I mean, uh, the divers don't feel bad weather when they're down on the seafloor, but I guess maybe you'd have problems... Maybe the process of bringing it back up would be a pain or something. Yeah. yeah. It, fellas, you, you, you gotta get back in the dicker clocking. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get back, get back in the dicker clocking. <laughs> <laughs> so... So... You know, the whole system... At this point, it's all pressurized to nine atmospheres, right? Um, and they recall the diving bell, the dicker clocking, um, and they get it back up. They reattach it. It's about 4 a.m., right? Uh, nine atmospheres is about 130 pounds per square inch. Uh, that's about 301 feet or 91 meters of water. Right? Well, full head explodey pressure. Yeah. No, that's head implodey pressure. Yeah. That's like that yeah. scene from, uh, what is it, Scanners? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have two reference points here. License to kill, which is head go out, and Scanners, where head go in. <laughs> so, at this point, we have two British divers, Edwin Arthur Coward and Roy P. Lucas. They're resting in chamber two, right? And we have Bjorn Gaver Bergensen and Trolls Helovic, right? They're coming out of the Dicker Clocking, right? Um, they were assisted by two dive tenders on the deck of the oil rig, right? Those are William Brown Crammond and Martin Andrew Saunders, right? So, your normal procedure here, right? Soul systems at nine atmospheres, right? So once you attach 
the diving bell, right? You close the door on the diving bell, right? You then slightly increase the pressure on the diving bell. This is after people have exited, right? And that seals the door tightly because it opens inwards, right? Right. Now you close the door to the four-chamber here, right? And then this trunk here, the Forbindelsis tunnel, um, you slowly depressurize it until it reaches a pressure of one atmosphere. And then there's a clamp here that you then open, and that separates the diving bell from the rest of the system, right? Hmm. And that way now, you have, this system is still at nine atmospheres, the Decker clock is still at nine atmospheres, but they're yes. now separate, right? Yeah, so you don't have okay. to go through like a difficult repressurization process on the ticker clocking. Yes. Um, so since this is an early uh, system, there's no mechanical interlocks, right? Hmm. So it's easy to get this procedure right, but also easy to get it wrong, right? So on this day, like like and, driving a car without like before traction control and stuff. Yeah, yeah on do, you think, ice, do you think there um, are divers who are like, yeah, no, I actually prefer this. Ah, uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, it, none of them do. <laughs> <laughs> but you can really so, feel the road this way. So. Today, uh, one of the dive tenders, William Brown Crammond, uh, got it wrong. No one is entirely certain why. Uh, he opened the clamp here before Helovic had fully closed the door to the four chamber, right? Um, and almost instantly, all hell broke loose. But things got very bad very quickly. Very, mm. very quickly. I, I, this is probably all over in about 10 seconds. Fuck. Uh, all right, so the door to chamber one was immediately jammed closed by the pressure, but not fully jammed closed, which is a problem. This is sort of this weird center hinge thing, apparently, which I don't know how people got through. Mm. I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't visualize this in my mind, how it works. I had some difficulty with it, because again, everything, all the information is in Norwegian. Um, so it almost jammed shut, but not quite, right? So there was just this crescent-shaped opening about 24 inches long remaining, right? Um, so nine atmospheres of pressure and 25 square inches of opening was about 25 tons of force sending everything through that tiny opening. So Helovic, who was right there, went through. Yeah. Oh. Oh. You ever see a sausage extruding? Just kind of that, but it's twenty-five tons of weight pushing it through. I it it, it does. I do not let recommend looking at pictures of his remains. No. Nope. Uh, nope. They're they are very easy to find, and you don't want to find them. Um, the escaping air also then popped the diving bell right off of the system, right. And that killed Crammond and severely injured the other dive tender, uh, Saunders, right? When you say popped it off the system, how do you mean exactly? Like a champagne I'm, cork. Yeah, essentially, yeah, so, it just popped so, right off. 
Okay, and then they went to the surface. Were they on the surface? My bad. Yeah, this is on the yeah. rig. This is oh, right, on right, the right. rig. Okay, yeah. okay, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this thing just goes, fl- this multi-ton diving bell just goes flying well, across. like a champagne yeah, pot. Holy yeah. fuck. Yeah, it just goes, whoop, right? Boop. And away it goes, right? Uh, in the meantime, you know, the, the three remaining divers in the system, they did not get sucked out, but they were subject to explosive decompression, right? Um, oh, boy. Which essentially gave them very extreme form of the bends, like their blood just boiled instantly. Right? Nope. Yeah, nope is about right, I think. Yeah, so that, it stopped circulation, and they died very, very quickly. Um, well, you would hope, but like... Yeah, exactly, but holy shit, though. And then autopsies that were performed later uh, found that all the fat in their bloodstreams precipitated out of solution and sort of just covered all their arteries. Um just like it's just like a weird weird thing you know it immediately causes uh uh the results of coronary artery disease um <laughs> yeah just o- obesity speed run exactly 100%, yeah one weird trick to be obese without actually having to gain weight <laughs> um <laughs> so all right five men were killed instantly because because one man did the procedure wrong who who is at fault here, right? Guy who did the procedure wrong and the guy who designed the procedure. Well, the official investigation came out <laughs> Nobody. shortly afterwards. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. They they said the problem was human error. Uh, oh, and, uh, oh, the dead guy. Yeah, it's yep. the dead guy. It's the of dead guy's fault. Human Weird error. how it's always the dead guy's fault. Yeah, exactly. You, you want to blame? Yeah, blame the dead guy, right? Open and shut case, done and done. Pack it up, boys. That guy Crammond was an idiot, and there's nothing else to learn here, right? Hmm. Well, I had to go to a Google Translate of an Internet Archive copy of a 2008 Dag Bladdit article for this. <laughs> <laughs> Dag Yeah, Dag Bladdit is a Dag funny Bladdit. name for it. Yeah, it, it, it is a funny name for a newspaper. <laughs> So there's a lot of folks who allege there was a cover up, which, you know, I think pretty objectively there was, right? Uh, because they're trying Again, to shield. Shocked. <laughs> yeah, trying to shield the Norwegian government from liability here. Was um, this Gladio again? Are they like smuggling is... CIA weapons caches in the no, Dekaklokken? They're, they're but just up to... and down, not to anywhere else. Just <laughs> up and down. <laughs> yeah. just the why, are we even, why are we even doing this? Because Alan Dulles told us to 50 <laughs> years ago. These are the same five M16s, <laughs> and there's one Stinger missile, and it's full of water, and it doesn't even work. Get on the bell. Get on the bell. We have to arm, train, and fund the moderate underwater forces. It's, it's just merfolk who are just like, the Stinger missile doesn't work, it's full of salt water like we told you it was the last time. Harvest merfolk. There's just a guy down there, there's a merman wearing a fucking pack hole. <laughs> this is our oil. <laughs> you thought? <laughs> so, the year, the year before the disaster, the Norwegian Petroleum Directorate, right, the NPD, introduced requirements for diving companies to install a new kind of clamp between the diving bell and the decompression chamber, you know, which You're was designed. You're going to tell me that this clamp was installed here, right? 
That's the thing no. that they but they did no no wow the, the, well, new clamp had a, the new clamp had a mechanical interlock so it could not be opened while under <sighs> they pressure. didn't install the anti murder clamp yeah they did they didn't install the thing that was required because Byford Dolphin and Comex had a dispensation to use the old type. They're like, okay, yeah, you need to do this regulation, but actually you don't have to. <laughs> they oh, got yeah. a variation? Yes. Cool. Great. One month after the accident, the NPD made this uh, regulation absolute. They got rid of all, the, all of the uh, variances, right? What well, the hell are the kind of waivers were out there floating around at this point, you know? We don't feel oh. like it. Okay, <laughs> a waived. lot. Yeah. <laughs> so... You know, the, uh, so, uh, there was a expert witness who was brought in for hearings at Stavanger in 1984. His name was Tom Halverson, right? Um, so Comex, the diving company had applied for and received several other dispensations from the Norwegian Petroleum Directorate, one of which was to extend the diver's period in saturation from 12 to 14 days to 16 to 18 days. Um, so you're living in that chamber for 18 days, right? And figures presented Holy in court shit. showed that 38% of all dives were extended. So it was kind of a general exemption, right? Uh, so you just had extreme strain on a few dimer, uh, divers. Um, and dive tenders, presumably. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, because everyone was working 16-hour shifts. Hmm. There was there was mandatory overtime, and that part of, part of this is because there were not a lot of people who were trained to do the kind of work that needed to be done for the oil industry. Um, but it was also you know it was very very stressful work. Mandatory overtime is a bad thing in yes. any industry, but in something as stressful as diving, it's very bad. Yeah, I mean, so you like about video game crunch, but generally speaking, when you hit the you're button, you're not doing the, it underwater, <laughs> right? You, you're not doing it underwater, and if you if you're developing, say, cyberpunk, right, and you forget to turn off the make dick visible through clothes button, it doesn't like fire a guy through a hatch, uh, yes. and turn and turn him into like chunky marinara. Yes, uh, no, no one was liquidized as. Uh, a part of the Cyberpunk 27, 2077 crunch. Yes. That said, crunch still sucks. Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah. And, you know, I appreciate you guys getting all mad about the bugs and not about, you know, everything fucking else that's happened during development of that game. Yeah. Although it is, I, I will say that it is funny that they pushed people that hard to release on this schedule. And then the thing that they released on this schedule was, you know, sometimes the guy just has his dick out. <laughs> so in the testimonies uh it emerged that you know the divers had discussed that they were being pressured into overtime and that it gone too far right? <laughs> um and even pressured so, into oh, pressured into yes, overtime. pressured <laughs> yes uh tom halverson said uh when even the british divers uh reported that they had gone that they had gone too far it said everything about the situation because the british never complained they were oh, used to keeping quiet that if not bullshit. you lost your job in the I UK mean, okay, sector uh, that that might be true but like <laughs> british, no we love complaining snidely we know mm. well this is this is a norwegian's report on the british apparently norwegians think they're better at complaining than the british 
Huh. Norwegians think they're better at we everything than everyone. We think the exact everyone. opposite. No, I'm I'm sure that they were they were the British divers were like we're gonna suck it up and bear it and we're gonna make the overtime mm-hmm. in Remember that blitz, blitz spirit, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love diving, so, love getting paid. Eight being forcibly decompressed. Simple as diving baths. Simple as. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so mandatory overtime and long shifts and fatigue. This contributed to the incident. It's not just. It's not just the failure of one guy, right? And also, there, there were some allegations that a supervisor had ordered the one guy to open the clamp. What? No one could corroborate this. Okay. Because the one hmm. guy was dead. Sure. And the supervisor isn't exactly going to out himself. Right. <laughs> I love this... this- Constantly just blaming the dead guy. We can never take responsibility. That's the shit that I was talking about earlier in this episode, man. Yep. Yeah. It, you hold these fucking people accountable. Don't fucking vote for them. Jesus Christ. Yeah. He said he voted for mm-hmm. Biden. I'm a fucking moron. <laughs> so, you know, lawsuits and litigation were brought forward soon after the incident, but the reports seemed to clear the companies of wrongdoing as well as the Norwegian government. Um, How convenient. I know, right? So Would divers never have expected this. There's a group of divers who were unsatisfied with the poor, unsafe working conditions they were subject to. 56 fatalities between confirmed fatalities between 1965 and 1990. Lots of long-term injuries, right? They formed something called the North Sea Divers Alliance in the 1990s to, you know, try and pressure governments into and companies into finally taking responsibility for these unsafe conditions and uh, correcting them, right? Yeah. And after decades of pressure, they finally got the Norwegian government to do a new investigation, or they got a better investigation than the one that they had been presented earlier. And the government finally admitted some guilt and compensated families in 2008. Oh, Jesus. I suppose at least it came. Yeah, uh, only yeah, as a yeah. result of union uh, action literal, for literal fucking decades. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What thirty years? It's hard to make that feel like thirty a years. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's um. Once again, it falls on the workers to demand better working conditions. Otherwise, they just keep shoving you in uh, pressure vessels from yeah. the seventies. Bosses don't give a shit about you. Exactly. I, I promise you are you are you are replaceable. You are only as valuable as the work you create to them. It's you and me and everybody else in the diving bell, and then them not. Oh. Yes. So yeah, that was the Bifurd Dolphin incident. Um once again, do not look up the photos. Don't do yeah. it. Don't, don't do it to don't yourself. Look, do do you, not look if, up the if photos. If you're like me, you're going to do the thing where you're like, man, that sounds terrible, so immediately I'm going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> Paul no. Walker car no. crash fix? Yeah. R slash morbid? No. No. Don't do it. Yeah, so... Well, on a lighter note, we have a, a section on this podcast called Safety Third. Safety third. Shake hands with danger. Yeah, you did the drop on time. Yes. So this person sent us two safety thirds. 
I'm only going to read the first one. We'll save the second one for later because it's also good. Um, all right. So this story is moral of why you don't listen to your superiors when you clearly know better and never accept unsafe working conditions, right? That's right. I spent eight years working for a well-known pest control company. I won't say the name, but again, it's with T and ends in Erminix. <laughs> <laughs> now, before I begin, I will say corporate did the right thing, sort of, and the guy uh, responsible eventually gets his comeuppance, right? Anyway, we had a customer somewhere on the border of Queens and Nassau County on Long Island who managed to get the only infestation of dry wood termites I have ever encountered. <clears throat> dry woods don't live in the soil like most termites and have to be fumigated with a tent over the house, right? This, is, this was not something I or any of the technicians on site had ever been specifically trained for, but I was selected to be on roof duty as I had previous experience as a roofer. In addition to myself, there were five other technicians, three sales techs, my service manager, the sales manager, my branch manager, and the responsible person on the site. Responsible is in quotes, the regional manager. It's too much directing around here. I was about to say, too many conductors for the orchestra. <laughs> First thing we do when we get on the roof is we need to secure ourselves, right? This is done with something we call a saddle. This is two steel plates attached by a hinge that has a chain holding a ring for us to hook safety lines onto. That is, I believe, this guy here sort of goes over the top of the roof, right? We had two of these saddles, and I wanted to secure one on each end of the center of the peak and run a safety line between them so we could hook directly onto, uh, onto them and never have to adjust the length of the ropes attached to our harness. Reasonable. I guess you have one at each end of the peak of the roof, right? And then you have a safety line in the middle. Um, and then you, you hook onto that safety line, right? Um, so I was overruled. The regional manager only wanted us to attach one saddle in the center of the roof. I protested as using the old calibrated Mark I eyeball, I estimated the length from the center of the roof to the end of the peaks to be longer than the distance of the center of the roof to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I know how pendulum mm -hmm. action works. So I pointed out that if myself or my buddy fell while working the far end of the roof, our elastic cord would not be able to completely arrest our fall. Oh, boy. Now, once again, I was overruled in front of the entire team. I was told to adjust the length of my rope as I go by tying loops into it to shorten it and was told, look, just don't fall off. <laughs> so we got through the first day of putting the tent up with no incidents. 48 hours later, it was time to take the tent down with the same crew on site. After the tent itself came off, we had to remove the carpet squares on the edges, 
and corners of the roof that had been stapled du- staple gunned down to prevent the tent from ripping. As is typical on a hot summer afternoon, a rainstorm moved in while we were doing so. The roof became slick, and while working on the far end of the roof peak, I slipped. Oh, no. Dude, they specifically told you not to fall off. Yeah, I was about to say, if you'd just not fallen off, you would have been fine. (laughs) Okay, sliding down the roof, I instinctively grabbed for my rope and managed to grab one of the loops I had tied in. Oh, no. Now, still sliding, I attempted to plant my feet. Managed to stand up, and when the rope went taut, good old pendulum action kicked in, causing me to run uncontrollably downhill in a futile attempt to slow down and stop myself. Oh, fuck. Still holding the rope, I reached for the gutter line, and now swung out away from the house, and my outstretched leg collided with the next-door neighbor's brand-new wooden stockade fence. Oh, snapping three of the top points off with my right calf. I then slammed up against the house and came to rest, still holding on about one foot off the ground. My safety line that was supposed to snap and go elastic at the gutter line was still laying on the ground, right? My buddy saw the whole thing and very nonchalantly told everyone below, uh, he fell off the roof. Fucking brilliant powers of deduction there, bud. Yeah. This was yeah, this was uh first met with laughter, but that ended when I limped around the corner. All in all, I was all right, but my leg was left with a nasty lump and bruises in the shape of the fence. Um <laughs> a picture of which from the night of is enclosed in this email. Cool. God so, damn, dude. Yeah, not yeah. so good. Oh. So the next day, we had to file an incident report. Uh, In that incident report, the regional manager claimed he was not on site at the time of the incident. (laughs) Okay. You heard that torpedo did not destroy itself. You heard it hit the hole, and I was never here. Yes. (laughs) And he claimed we had installed the one saddle with no input from him. Uh-huh. The rest of the management refuted this claim, and after an HR investigation, the regional manager was bumped down to a branch manager and sent out to Suffolk County, uh, the Suffolk County office, or as we called it, the circus. <laughs> <laughs> I like the implication that, like, within the world of uh, pest control, exile to Suffolk County is like a punishment <laughs> worse than death. Yeah, I've been to Suffolk County, can confirm. (laughs) So it's a branch that was known as a place where managers are sent in the region for their careers to slowly die. Uh, By the way, to repair the neighbor's fence, apparently the uh, regional manager took money from the salesman's commission to do it. About a year after the incident, my now former regional manager and I happened to cross paths and he immediately brought up the incident and told me that I had gotten him in a lot of trouble over it. Good. And, you know, you can tell he's a quality human being. Uh, in retrospect, I could have told him we were fortunate that nothing worse happened and we should be thankful everyone went home that night and it all could have been avoided with another five minutes of work. But instead, I pulled up the picture of my leg on the phone and showed it to him 
and told him to suck a hard one, Bob. (laughs) 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 He told me he could have me written up for insubordination and disrespecting a manager, but we were in the branch parking lot alone with no witnesses. And I reminded him he doesn't exactly have the best track record of honesty with his company reports. Insubordination, too. Like, it's the Marines. I know, right? That's amazing. Conduct unbecoming a pest control officer. <laughs> I got court-martialed. I got, a dis- <laughs> I got, I got NJP'd. I got, I, I got Captain's Mast for fucking dis- dis- telling dis- my boss to suck a hard one. Dis- dishonorable discharge from, uh, <laughs> from Terminus. <laughs> <laughs> Solemnly to everyone at Terminex, shaking their hands. Thank you for your service. Thank you for I your service. service. Thank you for your service, uh, defending us from the bug menace. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, that was safety third. Shake hands with danger. Third. Third. I've inspected some peaked roofs in my time, and uh, I never had a. I never had any kind of safety equipment. Now I realize I probably should have. Hmm. Um, yeah, well, you know, that's what happens when you're an intern. Um, <laughs> the next episode's on the Tacoma Narrows Bridge disaster. That's right. Gonna find um, out how the CIA did that one, too. Yes. Are we gonna try and do... No. <laughs> Are we gonna try and do the Q&A episode? Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Let's do it. Yeah, sounds good. That'll be episode 50. After Tacoma Narrows, obviously. Hell oh, yeah. Because this is 48, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so 50, uh, 50 will be Q&A. Uh, do we want to try and set up that Curious Cat doohickey? Yeah, please uh, don't be mean the, to us. Yeah, I was about to say, well, we're a group of three people, so you can't use it to, uh, to, to cause us to have a mental health episode. <laughs> That's right. Which is the usual We're perfectly of, capable of having yeah. those on our own. Thank you. Exactly, Thank right? You. Yeah, can yeah, So if you use it to hurl abuse at us, I will fight you. That's right. Um, wow, take it up my mantle. Put, Congratulations. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll all fight you. We're a unified right. front here. <laughs> Recover one hemisphere, actually. I was going to say two hemispheres, but I'm actually <laughs> yeah. not sure. Mm-hmm. No, not sure no, no. It's, it's all north and it's all west, I think. Mm. Mm. Well, Bye, everybody. Yeah, I was about to say. Bye, everybody. Unless we have commercials. Do we have commercials? Not to my knowledge. I just want to go lay down. Yeah, I also want to go lay down. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. Ending on a positive note. Everyone's going to have a nice (laughs) nap. Fuck you, Ross. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Have to do an hour and a half, at least. Yeah, I was about to say. With with, uh, one major interruption, so. Sorry. (laughs) All right. Uh, Bye, everybody. Yeah, Bye. we'll all go. We'll all go decompress now. Yes, <laughs> hopefully not explosively. Yeah. <laughs>